Welcome to another edition of the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, sponsored by Buzz and Sounds Recording Studio. My name is Matthew Turner. Thank you so much for joining us. Got my two co-hosts here, co-hosts here for a Thursday night podcast, Aaron Fletcher, Anthony Fitzpatrick. How are you doing, boys? I'm good, mate. Um, it's a very Friday feeling Thursday. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling 24 hours in advance this week, so. Oh, yeah, good point. Oh, I'm, I'm away with the fairies at the moment this week. It's been a, it's been a mad one at work, I can tell you. But uh, it's a terrific episode because we are joined by a special guest. We do have Lee White here at Brit Jag on Twitter joining us. He runs the Brit Jag fan podcast blog and vlog. How are you doing, Lee? Yeah, really good, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, terrific to have you, man. It's it's terrific. Uh, why don't you just introduce our fans to you and and your fandom of the Jacksonville Jaguars okay so yeah the as you're probably aware the Jaguars are having a pretty similar start to the season as you guys I think um things aren't going quite as well as you probably hoped um but yeah it's 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 not looking great currently it looks like we're heading for quite a high draft pick again but We've got we've got a really young team at the minute, so I'm quite optimistic for the future. So I suppose at least at least there's that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a bit of a challenging time to be a fan at the moment. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. How long have you been a fan of the Jags? So I became a fan in 2017. Um, now that's kind of for the Jaguars. That's a, a kind of big year. That's the year we made our run to the AFC Championship game, and in the past, I, I get a lot of stick for kind of being a, jumping on a bandwagon. And it wasn't so much even done on purpose. I was just kind of watching the sport. Um, before that, I'd never really what, followed the NFL at all. I'd always had an interest in it, but I didn't know anyone that, that watched it. So the, kind of, the rules and the sport itself were quite daunting as a complete new, a newcomer. Um, so I actually met, I, I met, I started college that year and I... Um, made a friend who was a Patriots fan and he introduced me to the sport and I started watching as the season went on, no specific team, just watching all the games. And that year, the, the Jags, I really liked their, just the feel of them. I, I didn't even pick them on purpose. I just, I was watching so many games and kind of those, those, their games were the ones that were getting me off my seat and really rooting for them. Um, and also I feel like I was massively lied to um, as they were actually good that year and since then it's been nothing but suffering so i can feel that i've I've been following the lines for the last 12 years and there has been i think two good seasons in that time possibly one really good one and one barely good one so uh i hope you're not in for a world of pain like we have been for that period of time but i can see it um so so the fact that the jags are london's team insofar as they come to wembley twice a year that that wasn't a factor for you not so much. No, it was more of a, a kind of added bonus. Um, once I realised that that was the that was the situation, 
Um, at, at that point in the season, the London game had already passed when I when I started watching. Um, so that opportunity didn't present itself to actually get to see them see them live myself. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was more like a, a kind of a lucky uh, lucky bonus, I suppose. A shame that they haven't come over since this was going to be one of the Wembley games. I think we're all a bit gutted that it's not happening. But there we go. Right, uh, I'm going to crack on with the podcast so we're going to start with a fair amount of news it's been a week since we last did a pod so a little bit's happened then we're going to go and preview lions at jags so to kick us off we do have uh the lions have signed victor bolden to the practice squad he was on the practice squad in 2019 as well for the final month of the year we cut kerith white who was a replacement on the practice squad from the week before but he was very swiftly placed on ir and he's now been dropped He's never seen the field for uh, Victor Bolden for the Lions, so he has experience as a punt and kick returner. If he does make the active roster, it looks like it's going to be on special teams. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I've never seen him on the field. Any thoughts on on Bolden? No, I didn't think so particularly. That's cool. That's cool. Um, we were mentioning before we started recording that all of us actually wanted the linebacker Kamali Correa from the Titans to join Detroit as a, a team that seems to have lots of linebackers who all don't do very much. And it's just as well that we've got a Jags fan on because he has been traded to the Jags. Uh, so career and a seventh round pick for a sixth round pick in what's effectively a salary dump. And I know you wanted him probably the most out of all of us disappointed that we've missed out. Yeah. Um, I know we've got a little part on the, trade mentionings later but some of the things we've been seeing coming out this week's been completely infuriating in regards to the lions we're just looking at the wrong positions looking at the wrong guys we're in such need of specifically linebackers and an edge rusher if i can remember what one of those actually is and to see a guy of his experience come up you know he had a good year last year five sacks in thinking three and a half the year before it's a big position of need for us and to see what they've had to give. They've just given up a sixth and they've got a seventh, but they've barely given up anything for a good solid linebacker. And that is where we need to be improving at the minute. So yeah, it was kind of disappointing that a guy of his experience came up and we missed out. So he only played 14% of the snaps on defense so far this year. Do you think he's going to make an impact, Lee? Um, maybe not this week. It might be too soon for him in terms of scheme. But going forward, was it a position of need for the Jags? I, I wouldn't necessarily linebacker as a position of need. I think it's more his characteristics. Um, looking at his stats, I think he's going to add to our pass rush, which is what we've really struggled with. Um, our linebacker our core is probably one of our strengths so far This on a very weak defence. But so far this season... Uh, we've had Miles Jack performing to a, a very high level. So, yeah, he's it, definitely going to help. Um, but I think more from the, just pers- uh, perspective of uh, pass rush rather than just a kind of general linebacker. Cause we released Cassius Marsh to make room for him. Um, and he had kind of been average. He hadn't kind of set the world like, but he wasn't awful either. Um, so it's definitely just, it feels like we're really trying to kind of focus on, focus on that really. That's fair. Uh, just reading through the ESPN article that talked about this, it was talking about the fact that you lost 
Leon Jacobs to a torn ACL uh, for the season in September's game against Miami. Um, and then, as you say, about Miles Jack and, and what have you. So it looks like it's just a bit of a improvement in the rotation. One year, two and a half million dollar deal. So it's not exactly breaking the bank. All right. Next up, uh, practice squad members for Detroit that have been protected. We've usually gone for four each week, and it's only three this time. So we always protected a, a running back. But since Kareth White's been dropped now together, it's just the same three uh, otherwise. So that's David Blau, quarterback, Isaac Nauta to tight end, and the cornerback gunner, D Virgin. No surprises particularly there. The only surprise is that we haven't protected a fourth player I mean, since it's free, why would you not do that? I don't understand what you're giving up in order to not do that, which I think is nothing. So, bit of a surprise, perhaps, but there we go. Uh, one thing that's not going to surprise any Detroit Lions fan, per Pride of Detroit, Jeremy Reisman uh, talks about the fact that PFF have ranked Detroit as the worst defense through five weeks. Uh, in terms of points per game allowed, they're 29th, which doesn't sound like 32nd to me, but apparently it's due to the fact that in almost every measure we are in the bottom 20%. So pass defense, run defense, coverage grade, uh, sack rate, pretty much everything. Uh, the only positive is that for this game, the Jags are actually slightly worse in points per game allowed. So, you know... It's going to be a fun one on offense, this. But no surprises that we're we're doing that badly. It, it feels like we're doing that badly on the eye, doesn't it, boys? Yeah, it's it's not been pretty to start the season. I mean, we've suffered massively at the corner position. You know, you've, there's no true front in there. There's no Coleman in there. It means we've had to lean on the rookies and the second-year guys a little bit more than we'd like to, um, which has been causing us problems. The run defense has just been non-existent. I think we're smack bang at the bottom of that, aren't we? And that really, that has really been hurting us, especially that uh, game against the Saints, um, where Camera and Murray just. The thing is, it allowed them to dictate the game to us. They made a lot of yards, and it meant that they didn't have to rely on Breeze as much. And when they did, you know, he, he was able to do a decent enough job. And yeah, the pass rush has just been atrocious. Uh, the pass protection has been, uh, you know, atrocious. Um, we're just scheming wrong for teams. We're not adjusting during the game. You know, it's it's almost too easy sometimes. And because the offense hasn't turned up yet as much as we've wanted it to, you know, it's it's been costing us games. It's it's just not pretty to watch. It's, there's no rushing the quarterback. You know, linebacker cause poor. It's not a surprise that we're down there at the moment. I think, has it even been mentioned before that we have a bad defence? I've not heard it come up uh, every <laughs> two fucking seconds. Um, no, the defence has been woeful. It, and I, I said a while ago, if your offence can put up 23, 24 points a game, then any time you lose then there's a, there's a huge chunk of that that's on the defense and what a surprise we put up what 24 uh 23 24 points every game and still managed to lose it was similar last season um yeah it's it's just not it's just absolutely not good enough and I know we'll probably uh mention a couple of a couple of the thoughts given that 
Sunday's game is a is a tale of two bad defenses. So a bit more of that will get brought up. But you know, I can't I cannot say in any way, shape, or form that this has even um, even surprised me in any way. Did you uh, see the tweet from PFF that went up um, that Pride of Detroit retweeted uh, pressures this season from the Detroit Lions, 43. Pressures from Aaron Donald this season, 33, on his own. And <laughs> they put up that little quote saying they were uh, reporting them for cyberbullying. And it feels like that because <laughs> that also opened up that old gaping wound of picking Eric Ebron over Donald as well. And it's just... <laughs> When a, when a player's got nearly as many pressures as your entire team has in a season over five games. It's just it's, not good. It's not, it? good. it's not good. I also saw on a reply to that that apparently Miles Garrett also has 33 pressures on the season so far. I, it's just shocking to me. But those are the two best defensive players in football, I think, quite comfortably. So there we go. At least none of our, none of our players have been Josh Norman yet. So... There's, that oh, there's, a, there's a silver lining everywhere. Um, that was hilarious. <laughs> it's one of the best plays I've seen in a long time. Derek Henry is just a, a, a beast among men, really. Um, Lee, the, I know we're going to get into the game report later, um, but the Jags through five weeks have struggled on defence, haven't they? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's by far been our, our weak point um, as, as you mentioned earlier with the, the kind of points being put up I mean it, over like, for example the Titans game we scored 30 points and we lost and I mean even the Bengals a few weeks back we scored 25 and, and lost and yeah it's it's the same like you, that's got that's got to go mostly on the defence when you're kind of putting up those points on a majority of weeks that should be enough to to kind of be getting your victory but yeah i know it's 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 been tough we, we had um we have had a lot of injuries on on defense and to be honest in general we're a very young defense um, we've obviously as i'm sure a lot of you guys are aware we've the likes of ramsey and claire's campbell and aj boye and yannick and gokwe have all kind of have left and they were big big parts of our defense and it's definitely in in the process of a rebuild but mm. At times, it's yeah. Teams are just cutting through us, and the worrying thing is we've had quite an easy start to the season, really, um, much easier than it's gonna it's gonna get. So we've had like the likes of the Bengals, the Dolphins, and um, we had the Texans last week, and yeah, we, we've we've really struggled. So it worries me because later in the year we're, we're facing like the Ravens and and what Lamar Jackson's gonna do to us. So it's a bit worrying. I think weren't you missing your three best players on defense for this uh, Sunday just gone, and then you had the guy ejected as well, didn't you? I, I can't help, I guess, especially like you say, when the defense is new, it's you know still trying to create an identity. It can't be easy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, we were missing Josh Allen, uh, C.J. Henderson, and Miles Jack. Who, Miles um, Jack has improved massively this year. Um, he's kind of been a he, he kind of a big breakout year in 2017. And then died down the last couple of years where they've moved him around from outside kind of to, to middle. And now he's gone back again because we, we signed Joe Schobert from the Browns and there's been a massive improvement. CJ Henderson, our first round draft pick this year, uh, pick number nine. He has looked good in flashes, 
but there's definitely a lot of inexperience there. And Josh Allen hasn't quite lived up to his his performance last year yet, really. So even though, yeah, that they are our, our biggest players on defense, that we have we've really been we've not even really got going. It doesn't feel like it yet. We know how you feel when it comes to first round corners, or I'd, I'd say that, but Henderson has been outplaying Okuda so far, so maybe we don't quite know how that feels yet. Um, anyway, I'm going to move on. So, a piece from MLive.com's Benjamin Raven talking about DeAndre Swift. Quick interview with him talking about the lack of carries that he's been having this year. He's been a, a feature in the run in, in the passing game, obviously, had the, the drop in the end zone week one, which didn't win the game. I'm not going to say lost the game, but it didn't win us the game. Um, and otherwise, he's been a, a big factor in the passing game. He hasn't dropped a, a target since that drop. Uh, but in terms of the run game, he's been used less than 20% of the carries with almost everything going to Adrian Peterson. Uh, when he was asked if he had more to give, Swift said yes, most definitely yeah. Um, but he's looking like uh, he's saying that Adrian Peterson is a big brother figure to him. That he's learning a lot. Uh, any knowledge I can get from him, I'm getting. So this is great just to have him in my corner. I'm looking forward to having this big brother figure. That's amazing. It's amazing. We're competing every day. All the running backs in the room compete every day. Like you said, we're all in the same room. So you go out there. Like I said, we're all grown men playing for the same team. Got to go out there and compete every day. It sounds good, but... It's got to translate into carries on the field. I know people are, are clamouring for him as our second round draft pick to actually see the field in the role that's defined for him. But Peterson's been playing well and the running game's been generally good for us, much like Jacksonville. Uh, do you see Swift getting more carries this week, boys? Aaron? Um, I don't really want to say yes or no. Uh, I I know I mentioned again early, earlier in a couple of the pods that one of the really good things about DeAndre Swift is he's versatile. And I know that when we were looking at this week, uh, I think obviously when, when Le'Veon Bell was coming up in conversation, I know many of us, uh, a lot of the, the Lions fans out there on social media made demands for Le'Veon Bell to turn up. But we all sat there wondering why, because... You know, we, we don't need, like, running backs are, are where we're strong. And the fact that we've got three running backs, one who's playing as an out-and-out back in Adrian Peterson, we've got uh, on Johnson who's turning up and performing as a blocking running back. And that, uh, and not just a blocking running back either, he's getting he's really, really good at it. And then you've got DeAndre Swift, who is being, he's been utilised very well as a receiving back. So I think right now what he's doing is working for him. I think we need to utilise it more. If we see him in the backfield, I'm not gonna um I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shit. Um if we see him lining up in the backfield and getting the ball handed to him, then I'm not going to be upset about it. I'm going to be really excited to see him. But if I don't see it much this week, I am not going to have, uh, I'm not really going to have any qualms about that either because he's doing, he's doing good at what he's doing now. And hopefully he's just learning off Peterson like he said he is doing. Yeah. In terms of Swift himself, I love the resilience I've seen from him. That, drop in the first week was a bad drop and for a rookie playing in his first game 
we all sort of feared, oh God, what's that going to do to his mentality? It's like, you know, is that going to affect him? Is that, you know, in his receiving going down the line and his running going down the line? But since then, he's come out, he's continued, you know, he's played a lot in the receiving core, but, you know, he's not been afraid to make the runs. He's catched, he's caught everything that's come his way since then. He's looked really good. I know as well as Johnson, he's been performing well in sort of the blocking aspects of this game so in terms of a mentality and what he's been doing so far I have been really impressed and uh, about Peterson getting all the reps so far I still think it is good that he's back there because Swift is going to learn a lot of him as he said already I think you know that can only be a positive because eventually when he does get going more he's going to be all the better for it however saying that this weekend especially, I would like to see the um, the reps shared around a little bit more, especially as we're going up against the defence that, as we've said at the moment, is struggling. I think, you know, you've got a lot of weapons in your arsenal, not just to have Peterson, you know, running it down the gut, you know, taking all the plays, put Swift in there, put Johnson in there, you know, just sort of flip the playbook up a bit. You know, if they're struggling at the moment, so put more different plays in there, you know, sort of be diverse with what you're doing. And, you know, they're going to struggle a lot with that. And that's the whole reason we're doing running back by committee is to have all these various, you know, plays in the book to to throw teams off. Because, you know, we've done a lot of running down the gut this season so far and teams figure it out early and then we're having to come away from the running game. And I just, I, I don't get it. You know, we've we've got three versatile running backs in there. Let's use them. So yes, I would like to see. You know, start with Peterson by all means. You know, he's he's still proven that he's got it and that he can do a good job for us. But you know, start mixing it up eventually. You know, on your second downs, your third downs, bring bring the guys in. You know, utilize your offense because we have a dynamic offense and we've not seen the best of it so far. And I just wish that. Bevel was given a bit more of a license to, you know, let the offense fire because on its day, then there's going to be a lot of teams who can't deal with it. In fairness, I mean, you know, wouldn't you say so with that? You know what? I'm going to agree with that. Um, you're much stronger when you have uh, this offense has proven to so far be a lot stronger when you've got your running backs in committee, and given that our running game has been so bad for so long. I think that's one of, that's probably been, apart from maybe the old line, that's probably been the biggest improvement so far this season. Has been um, has been the running game. Exactly, we've got an experienced vet, we've got a bulldozer in Swift, and we've got the you know really athletic guy in Kerryon Johnson who can do the swing plays, you know, can do the trick plays here there. So. Why don't we use them? Let's just let's start making the most of this offense. And let's say the best part is we, we can line Swift up or Johnson up in the slot, put extra weapons in there as well to go with all the wide receivers. So I, I would like to see, you know, us progressing more towards the committee running back approach this weekend to, you know, just increase the versatility of the offense. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, we need to go to a more committee running game and actually use our backs a bit more other than Peterson. But Peterson's been so solid that you go with a hot hand as much as anything else too. 
All right, I'm going to move on. So just a quick one, this, because I don't think there's a huge amount, and we've talked about him before, but Jonah Jackson is excelling per Detroit Jock City. Uh, he, they talk about all our draft picks, the fact that Akuda is not quite there yet and that Trufont is actually not much better despite the fact that he's a vet. Um, Aquara not really seeing the field as of yet. Stenberg being a healthy scratch actually... It's just not surprising at all, is it? And we confirm this actually with a poll that's still open. Uh, no, has finished, beg your pardon, on, on our Twitter page. So who's been the best draft pick so far this season? 69 replies, 75.4% for Jonah Jackson, 19% for DeAndre Swift, with 5.8% uh, being for the rest. It's a consensus, boys. Uh, Jackson's doing great, and that shows up in the statistics as well. So... Uh, 71.5 blocking grade on PFF, not quite as good in the run blocking with 63. Um, that is shown by the fact that he was coming in and people knew that he wasn't the best in terms of his maneuverability. So people can uh, shift on the side to side when you've got the runner coming at you and meeting you at the line. But when it comes to just stopping someone getting past him, he's, he's doing the business. Yeah, I, th I think we, we've discussed it most weeks already, haven't we? We've all been really impressed with how he's done. I mean, we've been crying for an O-line for years. And, you know, individually, they're, they're all excelling pretty much this year. Taylor Decker's proven worthy of his contract, which we were all concerned about. Jonah Jackson slotted right in there at guard, doing really well. Tyrell Crosby's keeping the starting right tackle out there. We... <sighs> Yeah, we can't complain compared to what we've had in recent years. We, we, we've got the makings of a very good O-line and Jackson will be part of that for years to come. All right. So um, one thing which you might not have been aware of, uh, maybe if you're watching the games in detail, you might have seen this more than other years, but we've all thought that Stafford hasn't had the best season so far, that he's uh, perhaps not been as clutch as he's used to. But actually, per SI.com, Logan uh, Lamordier uh, had a piece that said actually that for catchable balls, Stafford's had the highest drop rate of any starting quarterback this year so far. So just looking through the article quickly, he has had a lot of drops with a lot of different receivers, led by Swift with three and Cephas and Marvin Jones with two and then one from Carry on, one from Hall, Peterson, Golladay, and Hawkinson. That's a lot of drops through four games. Um, obviously, the Swift one is the one that hurts the most, but it's not all on Stafford, is it? He's putting the ball where it needs to go, and the receivers are not quite doing the business. No, and we made a point of saying that when Golladay was out, the offense wasn't functioning, which kind of surprised me. I know he's focal to our offense you know he's the main guy but without him everyone else sort of looked a little bit lost no one really stepped up in his place there were a lot of mistakes there um but thankfully since he's come back we are starting to see signs of improvement now but it was, i think it was a bit surprising i saw that many drops there but you know again it's it is not surprising that the offensive stats may not be great for them because i say those first few weeks without Golladay, they were poor all right. Um, I did have a bit on the Falcons, the fact that they shut their facility due to a COVID-19 outbreak, but they are back. So I'm going to gloss over that fact. They're the week seven opponent for Detroit. 
but we can talk more about them next week since uh, it's not actually a story anymore. Uh, moving on to a bit of a around the NFL chat, there's a lot of um, talk about the trade proposals before the deadline. I've seen one piece suggest that Will Harris could be moving on. Someone might punt a, a late round pick. I think we'd all be on board with that one the way that he's gone so far. Having said that, it's some depth. We do need the bodies. He's cheap. If you put in a vet in there that plays to his standard as well, then that's just a waste of money. So maybe that's not so bad. But other interesting ones I can see out there, ESPN's uh, article by Bill Barnwell suggests that possible people on the block or could, could make a move are Sam Darnold, Dwayne Haskins, Zach Ertz, John Ross, Kenny Stills, David Njoku. Any surprises in there? I mean, Haskins has, has to be on the block. Um, but Darnold, I mean, that really feels like the Jets would be going hard for 0-16. Well, um, we suggested that Quinn and Williams is supposedly on there as well, um, which makes no sense because he's evolving into a really good player. So, I, yeah, I think they are tanking for Trevor, aren't they, really? It's, they're poor all over the field. I can't really see them winning that many this year. Um, in regards to ours, though, it's... I hate trade deadline day. I hate the weeks going up to it because, you know, we get the same thing every single year. Where's Matt Stafford going to go? And, I mean, this year, is, I've seen some truly atrocious things said this year. I mean, the one I said to you guys the other day when um, Prescott went down and everyone said, oh, he might be going to um, might be going to the Cowboys and then we'd be going out to get Haskins instead as though that would be some sort of fair trade. And it's just like... Really, people really buying into this. It's We know where we need to trade for. I'd like to see us do some business, but the problem is we've got a coach on the hot seat. How much control are they going to give him over ins and outs into the team? It makes it a little difficult. So whether we're going to see anything or not, I don't know. But I really would like to see us go out and get a linebacker, go out and get an edge rusher you know, to give us a chance in games. Because if the defense can step up a bit more and the offense gets better, we can start winning games and we might be able to salvage this season we've got a good schedule coming up so I'd like to see us be active there for sure but what are they going to let Patricia do in regards to his job security I mean, that's actually a big question though isn't it if Patricia's in the hot seat Bob Quinn's in the hot seat um, and they don't have I mean it, let's face it I know that my opinion on, on the whole situation has been given and I'm not I'm, uh, I'm not going to give it again uh, at the moment, but let's just say, for example, they are gonna they are looking to get rid of them halfway through the season, um, and they say, for example, do give uh, the the rest of the season's job to uh, to Daryl Bevel with the sole plan that we get a new head coach in next year. Daryl Bevel will just simply be interim. Without that next head coach in mind and not knowing who they are, what they're going to do, and obviously not having a yes from anyone, so they don't know what, why would they go and start bringing in players for? They're essentially bringing in players for nobody um, and for nothing. So I think if they're gonna really make something out of these next few next couple of weeks or uh, out of the next bit of the trade deadline, twelve trade deadline, it's gonna show some faith in that 
uh, it'll probably show something that Patricia and and Quinn might have a bit more job security than we all thought. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the thing is, I guess we can be three and three at the trade deadline on on the third of November. So, if we can beat the Jags, beat the Falcons on the first, we've then got two days and a five hundred record to get some pieces. On the other hand, lose both games, one and five, season's done, isn't it? And we become yeah. sellers. And at the end of the day, you're not. I, if you're at the point of one and five, we can probably agree that we're probably in the point of tanking probably be without a head coach probably be in a not great position and if you've not got the head coach for the next season I mean if you know who it is say for it and I'm just going to put an example out here this is not insider information I am not I'm just giving an example say for example it's um, Eric Bieniemy. Um if you know that Eric Bieniemy is going to be your head coach next year you can ask him what he wants and start to try and get it in now in some of the trades that could be going round. If you don't know that Eric, if you, if Eric Bieniemy is one of four people who you're thinking about, but all four have different, different schemes, different things they want to do, then what's the point in bringing players that may not last and to, uh, that, that may just go in, in February, March. So um, I want to just, I want to throw this one to Lee. Um, Cause I, I'm quite wary that he's uh, maybe falling asleep. And um, over there, uh, it looks like the Jags could trade D.D. Westbrook to the Saints. What do you think about that one, Lee? I actually, I actually wouldn't be opposed to that, and not even necessarily for kind of what we get in return. I, I like D.D. Westbrook. Um, he is, he's a slot receiver primarily, um, but that's one area that we've got a lot of strength in at the minute. And he's just not getting a fair shout. He's in a contract year. So I feel like the only game he's actually so far played in was the game against Miami. And that was because DJ Chark was out. So he's just so far down the pecking order. But he's not a bad player. And yeah, and to be honest, anyway, if he can get out there and we can get something in return, it helps with our rebuild. And yeah, he's just he keeps being a healthy scratch. I think, like I said, the last at least two games he's been he's trained all week not missed practice and then not been on the game day roster so it would feel like that would be the best for him and best for us really because he's, he is just being wasted makes sense is there is there anyone you want to trade for or is there anyone else that you wouldn't mind trading away or is there a position group you want to see be strengthened um I'd say our biggest I'd say our biggest area, there, there are quite a few areas it feels like. Um, it's probably, I'd like to see something safety. Um, we got Jared Wilson back last week and that seemed to make some improvements, but not even necessarily a trade. Even some of the free agents I've seen that are out there, I, I'm quite quite tempted by um, Ha-Ha Clinton Dix. Quite like the look at him. Um, I know there are other safeties on quite quite big names out there that are still free agents. I'm surprised we haven't made any moves, seeing as how we seem to be getting hit by quite a few deep balls. Um, but that would probably be the area that I'd focus on primarily. If we're talking about wide receivers in trade deadlines, I'll throw this out there to you, Matt and Aaron. 
Do we reckon that Kenny Galladay's contract is going to hinge on the result of the next two games? Like Aaron said, if we go one and five, are we just going to start trading away pieces for picks to rebuild? Or if we're at three and three, are we going to build to go forward this season? Do we? It was asked again today, and he said nothing basically. And it's just, I don't like the silence around the issue at the minute. He's a wide receiver one, and we need him on the team, but. The opportunities seems to have come and gone. So, so do we reckon these next two results are going to hinge on whether he stays? Ah, uh, maybe. It just—it really depends, doesn't it? It okay. So, the most likely scenario in which it goes is that we lose the next two games. Okay, so let's assume that we do, and we're one and five. I think that teams will want to trade for him. It's clear that he's a difference maker in the offense. Um, he's still on his rookie deal, although I assume if you trade him, then he's getting signed to a big deal as soon as he signs. Otherwise, why are you signing him? So we all think that he's probably worth that sort of $20 million a year mark, um, similar to Amari Cooper. So five years, $100 million is the sort of par value that we're all looking at to re-sign him on. Um, I mean, I guess it comes down to him too. Does he want to stay? He's shown nothing about the fact that he doesn't want to stay. And if he doesn't want out, then I think, I think we should keep him no matter what. But if a team's out there and is, you know, in the mix and is wide receiver needy and they come in with a big offer, I mean, you know, I'm talking sizable chunky offer amari cooper went for two first round picks and he's not amari but he's really really close i mean if you're talking top 10 receivers in the nfl amari is around fifth or sixth i'd say in the league in terms of top receivers and i say Golladay is maybe ninth or tenth so if we could get first and a second or first and a third i mean is only going to move somewhere for that sort of value if he's committed to actually signing a contract on trade. But if he's going somewhere, no one else is going to accept anything else. So let's assume he signs a contract somewhere else. Well, then we can get that value back. And if we don't get that sort of offer, then I'm franchise tagging him next season. I'm not letting him walk away for free. So though, if we're one on five two weeks from now, those are the two scenarios for me. He leaves for a first and a third or a first and a second, or we franchise tag him if he doesn't sign a new deal. Aaron, I know you didn't really want to answer this one, but you've got a man. Um, again, I think we look at what, we have to kind of look at what position we're going into next season in. I want Golladay. I don't want, I don't want to see Golladay, whether it be later this year or next year, <laughs> lining up in any other team's jersey. I don't. He's, as has been mentioned, he's a top, top receiver. He's not just proven that he can do it, but he's he can do it in tight windows. He can make contest. He can make heavily contested catches. Uh, he, he came off, uh, he'd just come off a brilliant year Unfortunately, obviously started this year with an injury um, and didn't. he hasn't come back in and made the immediate impact that we wanted him to and that many people expected of him. But luckily, I think for, for Golladay, 
Rightly so. I don't think anyone should be jumping on his back or crucifying him. But with the other issues that we've got across the board, Golladay's kind of been allowed to have a couple of bad games, or a couple of not great games, and he's not catching a lot of shit for it. Hopefully, meaning that mentally, he well, he's not getting he's not getting absolutely abused. So he's he's going to be a bit more a bit more up for it. Uh, and feeling better about himself, hopefully going into things. But if we're looking at the position we're going into next season, if we're genuinely looking at a rebuild, I'd take the draft picks. So I we'll see if we're gonna if we're gonna go into a rebuild, why I don't want to waste two three years of his career. If he could go into another team and light it up, I don't want to waste two, three years of his career. We've done it to it. We did. We've done it to enough, enough players before where we've wasted a large chunk of the career by by keeping them here when when they could have easily gone somewhere else and potentially won Super Bowls. And I don't want him to feel like he has to carry a whole team for two two years while we rebuild. So if we're looking at a better year next year, if we're not, not necessarily looking at a complete rebuild, we're looking at just building and, and capitalising on hopefully a good end of the season, then by all means, and I swear to God, they better pay the man or franchise tag him. But if not, if we're looking at a rebuild, then I don't see getting rid of him as actually putting through much damage, doing overall t- much damage to what is already uh, a dumpster fire. So, so if we lose the next two, we need to cut the power to Ford Field on trade deadline week to make sure no one comes in to get him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I just can't imagine the offense without him. Uh, it's the. I think he's the first player that we've drafted since I've supported the team. Maybe apart from Slay that I would have been devastated if he's left. Even Stafford, which is one of the reasons why I started supporting the Lions, I feel like I wouldn't be as gutted as if Golladay went. No, I mean, sorry, I mean, Golladay's young as well, don't forget, uh, which plays into the fact that if we can keep him for a few years and we're not in a point of rebuild and are wasting a couple of years of him... He's only going to get better for the next, at least the next couple of years, and he's going to put up huge numbers for us. So, what he could bring to us would be enormous. So, I absolutely agree with you in the fact that letting go of him or leaving him would be okay. Maybe you didn't go this far, but I would say kind of heartbreaking because because of what he'll do for us. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, we, we we've kind of got to look at. Do we want to be paying twenty million a year to someone during a rebuild? Yeah, um, yeah. There's not much more to add. That I think we've seen what the offense is like without him. It's not pretty. If we do let him go, then we can uh, we can safely say we're on a rebuild. But I suppose it does look like these next two results could be critical in his future here. Hopefully, they're wins and we keep him. Fingers crossed. Right, moving on. We're going to go into the preview for Lions at Jags. First off, injury reports came out a short time ago. Trufant is out. CJ Moore and Frank Ragnow questionable, although I think Ragnow is likely to not make it. Um, 
Adrian Peterson, Deshaun Hand, Christian Jones and Nick Williams all full practice today and are on target to play in the game with no injury designation at all. One thing that actually passed me by on first look, and I don't think either of us have seen this, but Hunter Bryant has actually been placed on IR as of an hour ago. So he's uh, been struggling all year to make a team. He hasn't made one squad yet because of injury in some form. There was a hope that he was going to make it back, but he has succumbed. Hopefully that's three weeks and then he'll be back for week eight. I believe if you're on IR beyond week eight, then you're done for the season. So it was the last time that we could put him on IR, I think, before he would have to have been done for the season anyway. Disappointing, especially in Hunter Bryant's case. But Trufant as well is, is a big loss for us. He hasn't played that well, but he's still in our top two cornerbacks. The thing is, we've had Nauta in the practice squad as a fully fit and healthy tight end. So why on earth have we left Hunter Bryant with an active roster spot when it's quite clear he's not going to have been playing? You know, why, why not use Nauta as another option on the field whilst he recovers? It's, just, it's a stupid decision. Yeah, completely agree. I do see now to being promoted probably as a result of this move. We'll probably see that tomorrow. Um, just go through the Jags quickly. No one's been ruled out. Uh, Josh Allen, DJ Chark, Tyler Eifert, Arby Jones, Dakota Allen, all questionable with various injuries, particularly looking at Eifert, Chark and Allen there. In terms of no injury designation, they are getting back Miles Jack, CJ Henderson, LaVisca Chenault, Daniel Akule and Chris Claybrooks. Obviously, the first three of those, Jack Henderson and Chenault, are absolutely massive for the Jags. Um, Lee, you must be pretty pleased that your defense is getting uh, some backup, and Chenault, who's had a great year so far, is going to be in the lineup too. Yeah, definitely. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier, Jack's had a great year, um, probably the best I've seen for us, and he was a definite um, loss against the Texans. Um, CJ, yeah, like I say, again, it's it's just a defense. Any any strength we can get there is a bonus. And, and as you say, LaVisca Chenault has been a great, great uh, draft pick for us. He's so versatile. He's lined up all over the place for us. He's played as running back. He's even had some snaps at quarterback. He really is like a, uh, he's so versatile. And I think Jay Gruden is having a great time kind of using him all over the place. So, yeah, it's, it, it's really good that he's back in. I am, I'm slightly concerned about Chark. Um, the only game we missed him in is probably the only game that our offense has really struggled, and that was the Dolphins. He's our, he's our deep threat, really. And, yeah, with a, if he wasn't to play, that would probably be our biggest, biggest loss. And I know that um, Minshew is, is kind of known for being an accurate short throw quarterback but a couple of deep balls down to Chark have really been the sort of thing throw short throw short throw short and then absolute dime down the field there was one I think in the game against the Texans which was a 50 or 55 yarder I think that was to Chark and that was an absolute beauty um, so that that is going to be a big miss for you if, if that's the case although it looks like he's 50-50 to play potentially so fingers crossed for for Jacksonville there. Aaron, you've got a bit on here about Lions-Jags history, so take it away. 
Yeah, uh, I thought it was something. I mean, I added it into the Saints preview um, and thought, actually, I'm gonna, I want to, I want to keep something like this going. Um, I don't know uh, how how familiar you guys are with the Lions and Jags history. This is only a short one. Um, the Lions and the the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars have played six times in the NFL. The first game being on the 17th of December, 1995. And I'm glad I got that the right way around because it's written the American way and I nearly confused myself. Um, wondering what the 17th month of the year was. But, uh, the, yeah, the first one being uh, against... Uh, sorry. The first one being at the Silver Dome, I believe it was in 1995, where the Detroit Lions uh, narrowly, narrowly beat out the Jacksonville Jaguars 44 nothing. Uh, three years later, uh, the Lions and the Jaguars played again. This time in Jacksonville, where the Jaguars beat the Lions. 37-22. They didn't play again until 2004, where the Jags, uh, where the Jags again beat the Lions at home at 23 to 17. That win was in overtime. It, since then, we've met every four years. Uh, in 2008, 2012, and 2016, the one in 2008 was again uh, a Jack, uh, Jaguars victory against the Lions, 38-14, this time back in Detroit. But the last two games that have been held between, the t- uh, between us and the Jaguars in 2012 and 2016 have both been Lions victories. One in Jacksonville, a 31-14 win, and one in... Uh, one in Detroit, which was a 26-19 win. So I believe that the last time the Jags beat us was during our 0-16 season. And since we've had Stafford, Stafford has not lost to the uh, to the Jags. Mean it, this means that the, ser- the overall series in history is tied at 3-3. So whoever wins this one uh, takes the series. And overall... Uh, if you put all games together, the Lions uh, win 154 to 131. So only a little brief history. Not many games played between us, and it's literally split down the middle. Cool. Cheers for that, man. Um, in terms of the ESPN matchup predictor, they've got 60.2% to the Lions, 39.5% to the Jags with a 0.3% chance of a tie. In terms of the spread... That translates to a three and a half point advantage to the Lions. That's as of Friday evening UK time on Betfair's Sportbook. Um, since home advantage hasn't really been a thing this year, I've kind of been factoring in a three point advantage for being at home, but I'm going to disregard it. So, three and a half point advantage to the Lions. Does that feel about fair? Both defenses awful, both offenses pretty good. I think it's closer than that. I mean, I want to be optimistic, but I feel like when I've watched the Lions, I felt like we've been underperforming. And when I've watched the Jags, especially their offense, I feel like they've 
being good to watch with less mistakes. How do you guys feel? It's going to be really close. I think that's a given. I think, you know, it could be decided maybe by a point or two here. If you're looking at how to beat them from our standpoint, I think the Texans provided the perfect blueprint this week just gone by. Um, you know, they struggled with Jacksonville to start with um, because Robinson was doing well, the running back, and I've been a huge admirer of him. I think he's been a wonderful acquisition for the Jags there, but they struggled because they were making a nice mix of running and passing in there. But what you noticed very quickly was how the Texans shut it down. They shut the run down and Robinson wasn't as much of a factor in there. And the thing with the Jacksonville offense is it's led by a lot of rookies in there. You know, Gardner Minshew's only in his second season. Robinson, the running back, is a rookie. Shenault, one of the better receivers there, is a rookie. So they sort of put pressure onto their passing game and made them throw all the time. And I love Gardner Minshew. I think he's a great quarterback. But when you're pressing him to throw all the time, it will induce mistakes out of them. And there were quite a few mistakes they made on drives going forward, including that horrendous trick play they tried with Robinson trying to throw it and then fumbling it I think I think that's the way you've got to get at them you've got to stop Robinson early stop him running put all that pressure onto Minshew and I think if we can do that our offense is a little bit better and if that can show up it's going to it's going to put up a few more points because they've got a secondary which is vulnerable and we've got a guy who's known as having one of the best cannon arms in the league going deep downfield. We've got a big receiving threat in Galladay and Cephas as well, and Hall, who can go deep. I just think the offense has a little bit too much. But like we said, this is the Lions. Our defense is atrocious. You know, if we can't rush Minshew, if he has a bit more time in his pocket to throw, it's there's just a lot of variables in here. But I see it in maybe a point or two. It could be. You just don't know who's going to turn up on the day. Lee, how are you feeling on this three-and-a-half-point advantage for the Lions? Do you think that's fair, especially with you at home? I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, we've not... I think the only game we've been favourite in so far is the Dolphins game, which went amazingly wrong. Um, So, yeah, I'd I'd probably say it's fair. Um, At the moment, I think we're going to be underdogs. I believe we've got the youngest roster in the league this year was always going to be <laughs> tough you in. So, um, yeah, especially, especially a, a quarterback like Stafford with his experience and obviously in the, with our young team, there will be holes for him to exploit. And obviously your offense is going to score points. Like say on, on the reverse, I think, I think we'll certainly score points as well. My main area of concern is we're actually on our fifth kicker in as many games. Um, we've had a horrible run of well, no, our normal kicker, Josh Lambeau, who is extremely reliable. In my opinion, one of the best kickers in the game. He, I, I, I feel like since I've been watching, he might have missed one, maybe two at a push. Um, it's very rare. But since then, we've had a horrible run of it. We've had rookies. We've had we've signed free agents. I mean, we had, um, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, is it Hushka? Um, Hushka, yeah. Hushka, yeah, from the Bills. And he missed one, I think it was from about, I think it was the 21-yard line. Um, and, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't going to view it. So that worries me if it is potentially going to be a close game. 
obviously those those field goals are going to make a difference. Yeah, I, with Hauschka, I mean, I, I watched back the the Jags-Texans game today and it was the two field goal misses in the first half, I think, which really killed the game for you. I feel like, I think at the half it was 13-7 and, you know, that's six points. That's two field goals. You, you make both of those, you go in at the half kind of feeling like you've been behind the game and you go in actually tied and I feel like the momentum's all with you. But after that, it was awful now, you know, how she has been cut after just a game, which feels like a, oh, just a, a gutting thing. And, and you're right, Lambo is one of the best kickers in the league. He's been terrific and loyal to the Jags as well. Sometimes, you know, kickers of that caliber want to move somewhere where they're going to win titles. And that possibly was the case a few years ago with Jacksonville, but it doesn't feel like it's going to be the case at least this year, maybe not next year, especially with some draft picks and the young team that you say you have, which can develop. But it's it, that was a tough one against Houston. I really feel like you had a chance going into the second half. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, obviously, you mentioned the four, uh, fourth and one play. Um, we were very close. Um, we were in the red zone. But I feel, it, again, if we had maybe had confidence in him, if he made those previous two field goals, Maybe we go for a field goal there as well. Maybe we don't try and push it. And I, f- I feel like at that point, that was after the two misses. And I feel like it got to the point where uh, Doug Marone just didn't have any faith in him kicking a field goal. So kind of what was the point in even trying? May as well go for it. So Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Having a look at the, the stats for that, uh, for, for the two teams overall so far, Lions with 25 points a game, Jags 22, and then giving up 32, the Lions, and Jags with 30, uh, 29.4. The over-unders, 52.5. I mean, on the basis of how much they're giving up, it's going to be a 60-point game. So there's a, there's a piece from sanluisapisbo.com that suggests that, you know, taking the overs, just a surefire bet. Uh, the NFL seems to have a sort of way of when you take teams with two good offenses and two bad defenses, you either have a 44-40 game or you have some sort of horrible 13-7 to game. And I've got a horrible feeling that we're all expecting some sort of exciting gunslinging uh, matchup. And actually, somehow both teams are going to scheme well and it's just going to be a really poor defensive affair. How, how are you feeling going into it, Aaron? Um, I'll start off by saying that I put my money on Lions at minus three on my bet. Um, and the sad thing is I, I, I don't like betting on my teams anyway, but you know, as soon as you press it and you go, oh crap, we're not going to do it now, are we? Um, I've been, I'm not as confident as I was going into the Saints game because I've learned that I've learned my mistake there. Um, especially being overly confident on this podcast, I have learnt my mistake. But I've spent the last couple of days, and I've been looking at a lot of a lot of the Jags uh, and what's going on. I mean, the Jags are what I think Gardner Minshew's rated ninth in passing yards for quarterbacks at the moment, which is just given obviously and unfortunately how the Jags have performed. Um, we'll always have a soft spot. Uh, I'll always have a little soft spot for the Jags with them coming over so much. Um, 
I don't support. Well, I, I don't really. I'm not really, obviously, not really bothered what they do in the season, but I'll have a soft spot. Um, I, I've yeah, I spent the last last couple of days kind of digging into the Texans game and trying to look into what is it that's going wrong for the Jags. What is it that went right for the Texans? The Texans seemed up for it, but that could be potentially because you know they've just had. What with what happens when you when you sack head coaches or, or managers, and we see it even in our football, you know that that first game can be almost quite rejuvenating for uh, for the team. I also sat there and went, Jesus Christ, how young is this team? It's like um, as you've mentioned, as you mentioned, Lee, there are, it is such a young team, and the fact that they're your the quarterback one. Uh, Minshew was in his second year. I know it's been mentioned again about Chenault, who's a rookie, being the leading pa- uh, being the leading receiver in yards and the leading rusher being um, being Robinson. Um, again, a rookie, so it, it's it's positive. Uh, it, it's a positive look for the Jags going forward. But is it great for him now? Probably, uh, probably. Uh, yeah, probably not. And I, I see where Lee's coming from with the fact that, again, Stafford, um, Stafford with his experience could rather enjoy this game. But then again, we look at the fact that Stafford hasn't been performing the way we want him to and Stafford hasn't been doing what we need of him so far this year. And hopefully after the bye week, that can change. Um, I just thought there's a couple of things here, especially I'm going to talk particularly about the... Um, the offense at the moment uh, at Jags and Lee, if you want to jump in any at any point and turn around and I'll tell me I'm an idiot and I'm totally wrong, please do. Or if you want to, um, I think Gardner Minshew at the moment is on a 69.9% completion rate uh, with the uh, uh, this year, which is 9% higher than it was last year uh, with Obviously, so Gardner Minshew is growing into the league. He's starting to perform. I think his ESPN quarterback rating is 65.3. But I know that um, I can't find his proper quarterback. I couldn't see his proper quarterback rating, but I know the ESPN is quite a lot lower than um, the general quarterback rating that most people go off. They put up, what, 25 points against the Colts, Titans and Bengals which shows you that this offence can work. It knows what it's doing. Gardner Minshew, as mentioned again, he's growing into the NFL. He's, he's, he's turning up and he's performing. But at the same time, they managed to muster up 15 against the Texans and... Or is it 15 against the Texans and 13... No, 14 against the Texans and 13 against the Dolphins. So... I think we you can turn up and it just depends on on which Jaguars offense is turning up that day and just how how well we scheme for them. Um, one thing, and I realise I'm probably ranting a little bit now. One thing I noticed that the the Texans did really well against this Jags uh, this Jags offense was they played a lot of nickel and uh, nickel zone defense. Minshew probably doesn't have the strongest arm, 
But last year, he was rated third among quarterbacks for deep passing, which is just unreal, beating out, obviously, a lot of elite-level quarterbacks. And stop him. What what the Texans managed to do really well was, obviously, as uh, I think Anthony's mentioned, they blocked the run. Robinson, quite early on in the game, couldn't realise he wasn't getting anywhere, wasn't able to do much. And Minshew, what they did, uh, what they did to stop Minshew throwing it deep and getting those big catches for big yards was by playing nickel and leaving... Um, two, three safeties up and the cornerbacks and uh, and a lot of cornerbacks crowding that 15, 20 yard, uh, 10 to 20 yard, sorry, um, that 10 to 20 yard zone. Minshew was left to throw in slant passes, uh, short screen passes, lateral passes. And they weren't really getting getting anywhere with it the linebacker that was playing for the linebacker that was playing most of the snaps for for the Texans played quite a lot as a spy uh, once especially once the Jags were being forced to throw so when they were getting the passes out wide the linebacker was already on it um, and making his way over so not too many yards were made after catch Um and I think that's something that could play into our hands when we've got safeties like Tracy Walker um, and hopefully a game where Akuda can maybe get a bit of his, uh, continue to get a bit of confidence. Yeah, I did my own research on, on the game as well when I was looking through it. So one of the things that struck me is something that I've kind of complained about for the Lions for the entirety of the season in terms of predictability. So whether it was out of quarterback under centre, whether it was shotgun or eye formation, uh, until the Jags were chasing the game in the fourth quarter, 55% of first down plays were run up the middle. In some form, it was given to Robinson, you're our main man, you go and do it. And he was doing it at 3.7 yards of carry, but he was only giving it 13 times, of which I think 11 of those were first down carries for a short gain. And, I mean, if they do that, well, we know how to deal with that because that's what we do because we have no imagination either. Just to round off those first down plays, it was 25% play action pass, which makes sense if you're going to run it that often that you're going to throw in play action quite a lot. Uh, the rest of the um, remaining 20% were things like quick screen passes, uh, as you were saying, Aaron, quick little out routes or slants or, or what have you. Um, Robinson, I think, really suffered for the fact that the Texans knew that that run was coming. And, that you know, you want to take a bit of pressure off Minshew, which is maybe why his completion rate's going up, because you're you know doing second and six second and five really often which puts you in a much better situation but it just didn't really happen um the other aspects of the game that i kind of picked out third down conversion was eight to 16 so only 15 percent uh 50 percent that's not going to get it done fourth down conversion at 33 percent that's not going to get it done either five yards per play 
that seems right. But when you throw in that 50-yard pass that he had, it comes down even further. So throwing it short and being met at the line, there was actually quite a lot of tackles for a loss that the Texans had, which struck me. So you've got to have your, your corners on alert when you're having those quick out routes being thrown. Um, Chenault was obviously impressive. Seven catches on eight targets for 79 yards. The only other notes I have really is that Houston only had one punt at the start of the game and otherwise it was interceptions or it was points. And and Jacksonville just don't really seem like they can get a stop. They're getting reinforcements in defense. How fit are they? That's going to be a really big consideration because you know they're coming back and replacing people that aren't as good as the starters. But as we've seen with some of our guys coming back, when they're only half fit and good enough just to take the field, especially when you get deep into the game, are they going to be suffering? Do you have to rotate on those backups back into the game? Can we then go and attack them? There was a lot of um, crossing routes and and um, slot receivers playing slant routes, which which Jacksonville really seemed to struggle against as well. For all it seemed that Jacksonville were behind the whole game, though, and I just want to highlight this again, Jacksonville were in it until really late, and the score doesn't suggest that, but they did put points up late, and actually deep into the third quarter, it was still a 60-40 game, according to ESPN. So when it matters, they forced the, the Texans into field goals and, and stayed in the game. Um, Lee... How are you feeling about the Jags? Uh, you talked about Detroit a little bit. Where do you see the game being decided? Both offences are good. Is it about which defence can play best, therefore? Or what do you think? Yeah, I think it will definitely come down to defence um, and, and, and just the kind of bend-don't-break mentality. Um, like, like you say, forcing the field goals for us at the moment is a lot better than the touch than touchdowns because we're getting we're, we're getting hit so consistently with the kind of seven points each time that even when we're just keeping teams two field goals it feels like so much it's such a difference so if we can do that more consistently and throughout the game as well because we've been starting so slow um and kind of getting and conceding and not scoring and we've had chances to get, take take the lead and and they kind of just, uh, those opportunities just disappear. So, yeah, I, th- I think it will definitely be which de- defence can make the stops. And I think our our offence, because of its inexperience, they are showing signs that when the game's kind of on the line, it, it's either going to go one or two ways. If, if kind of Garner can hit a few uh, decent passes or Robinson can make a, a good run or something like that, and something can spark them, I think that it, that really helps them. And being under pressure is almost is beneficial to them. But on the flip side of that, if Garner starts to miss a few passes or if uh, he gets sacked a couple of times, he, especially the last couple of games, he's been very prone to scrambling when there's no need to, even when the O-line's holding up. So that's a big concern for him going forward and I know a lot of Jags fans are starting to worry a bit because it seems to be getting worse rather than getting better it doesn't seem as if he's learning um, from it and he's he's putting himself in, in trouble so ideally 
from a Jags perspective, we need to be in a position where we control control the game. It hasn't really happened this year so far. It, we, we've not been in that position yet. Um, and as you said, we we have moved away from the run um, in a lot of games. Uh, Jay Gruden's been talking about it for the last three or four weeks in his press conferences. He Each week he notes that, yeah, he feels he got away from the run too soon and stopped running the ball. Um, and yeah, it, it, they've been focusing on passing too much and it's putting a lot of pressure on a, a second a second year, sixth round draft pick, which as as much as I love Gardner, that is what he is and he does have his limitations. So yeah, I think I think it will be the defence overall, but as we're going into the, the late stages of the game, the third and fourth quarter, that'll have a massive impact on our offence, I'm sure. Um, I wanted to add on to that actually there, Leo. I want to ask you a question. Um, one thing that I kind of put in my notes because, oh yeah, um, I'm doing notes by the way as well now, guys. Watching film and taking notes. Um, oh shit, I'm prepared. Um, uh, but one thing I did note down was the fact that Minshew was struggling um, when he was escaping the pocket. He was getting out of the pocket relatively well, but uh, when he was when he was trying to move and try and be mobile, he was struggling to get the ball out ac- uh, as accurately or um, as efficiently as normal. And obviously, what you've mentioned there is is Minshew str- uh, you know, trying to get out of the pocket maybe a bit sooner than he should do. Get out the pocket when he when um, when he he doesn't need to. Obviously, the the O line so far has given up. 17 sacks this season um, uh, ours isn't much better uh, only narrowly better but uh, with Minshew being sacked so often do you think it speaks of his awareness uh, or his immediate uh, surrounding uh, his awareness of his immediate sur- of his immediate surroundings so as he's looking downfield uh, and looking at receivers he's not totally aware of what's happening right next to him and because he's been sacked so much he'll have like a second or two and despite the fact that he probably does have a bit more time it gets to a second or two and he's thinking crap this pocket should be closing up anytime soon so I need to get out or do you think it's something else um, I think it is a bit of both, really. Um, I think it, yeah, there is definitely nerves because our O-line last year wasn't good at all. And this year, despite the stats, I feel like a fair few of those sacks have been brought on by himself where he's escaped the pocket and he hasn't needed to and he's lost his he's lost the protection and then he's come in for the sack. Um, and also, he'll, he will make runs out when he doesn't need to and they'll get away from the offensive line and he... Yeah, I, I can I can probably think of about five or six instances at least that are all on him, um, and then maybe a few more. So, I, yeah, I don't think it's it's a bit of an unfair reflection on our O line. Um, I mean, it may stem from last year's and how how much he was sacked, but yeah, it, it doesn't feel like he's learning. It feels like it's got worse in the last couple of weeks. He seems. He, something seems to have almost spooked him and yeah. he's nervous. So it'll be interesting to see because he, they're saying that, he, that he's working on it and uh, every, every week, but it, it, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. So it'll be interesting to see this week if he can actually make any progress with that because when he is, 
when he's planted, he's he's a very accurate passer. And the strange thing is when last year, especially when he when he was being mobile, he he was still a very accurate passer. But as I mentioned, he, he seems spooked. Something doesn't seem quite right. I don't know if it's because the way results are going and the confidence is starting to drop and he's facing the realization that we could be a high we could have a very high pick and could that be a quarterback? I, I don't know. But yeah, some, something seems to have got to him and he's not, he, he looks a lot more nervous than he did at any point in his rookie year. About to say, would you, sorry, Aaron, I'll, I'll quit make this quick. Um, would you stick with him given the situation he came into last year? It wasn't the best team to come into, you know, like you say, rookie, sixth round, not much expected of him. And he had a really good year and then he's had to deal this talk over the summer about, you know, oh, the Jaguars are going to tank, Trevor Lawrence is definitely going there, and a lot's been said about how bad the team is. But like you said, you've been in every game this year. You beat the Colts first up, which was a big victory. Is Would you stick with him, even if you were to have sort of a stick year? Would you personally want to keep him? As I say, given all he's gone through, I kind of commend the team in general on how well it's done, considering how much everybody was against them over the summer. Yeah, I I really like him. Um, I I think there is there's definitely potential there. I think he's certainly capable of kind of being a kind of middle of the middle of the road quarterback in the NFL. He's not going to kind of be top of the top, but he's certainly not the worst at quarterback. I mean, he, his stats already have him well up there, like with one of our best quarterbacks in our history. So like, it's it is tough. I mean, it all depends where you pick in. I mean, if you end up and you're picking first, then I think a, a lot of teams that are in that position are gonna are gonna struggle to say no to Trevor Lawrence. But after that, I don't think there's any guarantees that someone you bring in is going to be that much better. So, I don't know. It, it's a tough one. And he does have physical limitations. Like I say, his, his, his deep throw isn't isn't as strong as it, as it should be, really. Um, and that doesn't show any signs of really improving. He'll kind of occasionally take the odd shot downfield and it will come off. But it is a... Is a it's rare that he actually does it. Um, and, you know, the kind of he's come through, I think we've only just hit his actual 16 starts because last year we he came in for Nick Foles. Uh, he had the really bad game in London. And then it was our bye week. And then Nick Foles was back. So he got dropped, which I think was a, it was a really silly decision because up until that point, he'd been playing really well. He'd had one bad game. We dropped him. And I think, that had an impact on his confidence. Um, it, he almost felt like he couldn't do anything wrong. Foles came back for three games, I believe it was. And by the middle of the third game, the fans were chanting for Minshew back. So, yeah, he, he's, he's had a very kind of stop-start beginning to his career. And he's, he's definitely shown glimpses of being a, a good good NFL quarterback. And, yeah, I think unless we're, unless we're picking right near the top I think we we stick with him I don't think there's any any point risking such a high pick when quarterback isn't our isn't the reason we're losing games there's it's there's got to be picks on defense that's that's what we need so yeah that's I think it's definitely I'd stick with him 
That's um, fair. I mean, I, I think, sorry, Aaron, just quickly, with the kind of coming out of the pocket, one of the things I actually thought that was impressive was that when he did exit the pocket, when he did go to throw, actually, I thought he was more on point than we're giving him credit for. That 50-yard pass I keep mentioning, that was escaping the pocket to the right of midfield, throwing down to the five. There are a couple of other instances where pocket collapse, he escaped, in, in the sort of manner in which we all see NFL quarterbacks escaping the pocket in the right way. And when that happened, he was on target. And actually, his accuracy for me seemed to increase in that circumstance. Really, it was only when he was escaping the pocket because he was seeing ghosts and, and panicking a bit that the accuracy seemed to go down. But I think if we see him exit the pocket on Sunday... My heart's going to be in my chest because I know he can do it from there. Uh, you know, I, I kind of give it a 50-50 as to whether it's going to be a good or bad thing for the Lions. So, so I just wanted to get that in there before we start to wrap, Aaron. Um, I wanted to just add on to, I know um, it was mentioned about, uh, about Minshew's deep ball, but I just want to kind of allude back, back to the stat I brought up before. And I found it on the Sports Illustrated um, on sport, the, the Jaguars section on Sports Illustrated. Uh, the last season, according to PFF, uh, Gardner Minshew was the third best deep throwing passer in the league last season. He had a 49% completion rate, 16.7 yards per attempt, and a 129 passer rating on deep balls. So that I mean, he, he, he what? Only two quarterbacks last year better than him. And I know that every year there are tons of um, tons of elite quarterbacks, but we're in an age at the moment where I think in, in the NFL we are really blessed um, and really lucky to have so many top talented quarterbacks who mm. are, have great arms, who have great legs, and I don't mean that in a rude way. Um <laughs> I'm not sat there staring at the legs, but you know we, we we've got we're, we're we're really lucky to be able to watch games uh, and almost every game you watch, you are watching a top top quarterback, and most quarterbacks in the NFL now would be would make it. You know, even back in the day when you had other other uh, some of the the greatest of all time playing so I just wanted to just kind of add to that and just say that uh, you know the stats would say different about um, about his about his deep throw I just want to add that a couple of things that I think the Lions are going to be needing to do in order to to have a bit of a better day we need to work on that rush um, I want to see obviously Romeo Aquara has probably been the bright spark on 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 that D-line this year it's not difficult to be a bright spark in many ways. So Aquara hasn't had to do much to be someone who's been a bright spark. I'd also like to see a bit more of Julian Aquara so far. He's not been great. He's not lit the world alight. Um, I think he saw seven snaps on his first week on his first game against the Bears, and all of the six of those were in the fourth quarter. He missed a couple of games. Then against the Saints, he played something like 10, 11 snaps. I can't remember the direct number. Most of which came in the second and third quarter. So <laughs> you're not exactly looking at... He's not been on the field 
during our best part, the best parts of those two games, he's probably been on the field on defense at the worst part of those two games. But at the end of the day, I, I still want to see him getting on and being able to make a difference. He's being put up and being put on the field on crucial third downs. And I want to be able to see if he can do it and perform when there's a little bit less pressure on the snap, a little less pressure on him. And um, it's a bit it's a bit better for him. So, uh, But I do think that safeties are going to be a huge indicator as to how this game's going to go. I think that um, I'll say his name one more time because I love to say it, Tracy Walker. Um, will have will 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 play a huge part in this game. Um and he's not had the best year. He's not actually he's not lighting it up like we all thought he would do, like I thought he would do, and like I promised everybody he would do. But Tracy Walker's not lighting it up. But those deep balls and that deep threat keep Tracy Walker back there as a strong safety. Have him watching um and have the likes of uh the likes of him um watching DJ Chark or watching uh, Chenault and, and kind of eliminating those main receiver threats. The run game is something that I don't know where that's going to come from. I don't know where our, our run block's going to come from. It scares me. It scares the shit out of me. But um, it, it is what it is. Um, I just hope that the Lions have worked on it themselves I, I just I don't know um, but as far as on defence goals I think limiting limiting Minshew to short uh, short passes for not many yards and smothering receivers straight after they get the ball is going to be a huge part of stopping them um, and not letting not letting the run game dictate um, the, the not just not letting the run game dictate what we do. As far as on defense, uh, as far as on offense goes, I think that our run game could be a huge, a huge part of this. And Adrian Peterson has the opportunity here to have a field day, and could very well have a field day. But as far as offense goes. Before I start looking at how we're going to tackle the Jags' defense, I want to tackle. Um, I still want to be tackling the, the Lions' offense. Deep threats are going to be quite uh, important, so we need Stafford to keep uh, to kind of maybe step it up a little bit. I don't know if his back injury is still hurting him, but I was looking at some stats the other day that suggested that throughout the game, Stafford is kind of falling off until he falls off throughout the second and third quarter and then kind of turns back up again in the fourth. But it's just it's too little too late. So hopefully bringing it back... Um, uh, so bringing it back to... you know, uh, Just making sure we get the basics right, making sure we do what we need to do right, um, and making sure that Golladay... Hopefully Golladay can be back and... and and proving, prove, proving all of us right in in saying what is worth. Adrian Peterson can turn up, um, and making that use out of the tight ends, uh, as as we've been saying for ages. But I think the tight ends might not actually be um, all too key to this game. I think it is going to be the receivers, potentially the deep threat that we're gonna we're really gonna hopefully uh, take the game on. Yeah. Um... <laughs> 
mean, there's not really a great deal more I can add to that. Like I say, it's, we've been shown the blueprint of how to beat the Jags. We've got to stop that run first and get them, you know, relying entirely on that passing game and force the issues out of them because I am worried about their offense. Robinson could do us a lot of damage. And our, you know, our run blocking is atrocious. You know, he could quite easily take the game away. And if he imprints himself on the game early, then, you know, Minshew could have a field day with us as well because our rookie corners are still out there. Shenault's the speedster. Jark is a good long option. They could burn us big time. So we really need to get in there, disrupt the flow like the Texans did, and then start to implement our will on the game. I mean, I don't think it's unfair to say our offense is better it is a lot more dynamic and if we start using it to the best of its abilities, if we start going the running back by committee using all the different options we have, we've got a plethora of receiving options, not in just the wide receiving core and Kenny getting better. You've got the tight ends, as you mentioned. TJ Hawkinson is an absolute beast who could really run through their secondary and really cause some problems for them. You've even got Jesse James in there doing well and then as well as that, you've got Swift and Johnson in there. As we have an absolute wealth in the receiving positions, and we just need to start utilizing that, start calling the plays better, because I don't necessarily think it's Stafford, all Stafford's things. I think the play calling's hampering him. I don't think they've really ever played to his strengths. You know, he likes the long ball. You know, he likes to get it going quick, and sometimes it's just so slow and pedantic, the offense is. But you know, if we can shut down their offense, because I'm worried that that could, you know, put a lot of points past us. And if ours doesn't fire, we could easily lose. So shut down their offense, get more creative with ours. I think we've got a little too much for them in the bag there. But um, like I say, it should be a good game. I do enjoy watching the Jags. I think given what they've gone through this summer and how everyone ripped them off, I think they've performed admirably well. So I am looking forward to it. But I'm looking forward to a win as well. And I'm not ashamed to say that. So, uh Hopefully that's us two and three going into the Falcons next week with a bit of momentum there. Looking forward to it. Fingers crossed, man. Um, right, Lee, some final thoughts and maybe some plugs? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, very much like you guys, I'm I'm looking forward to the game. Um, it's one of It's probably one of the few games that I feel like that we've got a realistic shot of getting anything from for the remainder of our schedule because... Like I say, it's, it's quite tight. Like they're only giving a three three point difference on it. I feel like, yeah, we like I say later in the year we've got the, the, likes, the likes of the Steelers, uh, we've, uh, the Ravens, the Bears, the Packers. So we, down the stretch, it's not here. Yeah, it's not. It's not an overly nice running really. So um, I, I'd hope if we if we're going to get some wins on the board, I think this is probably one of the games that is our best chance of doing so. But yeah. No, um, so I am on Facebook and Twitter at Brit Jag. Uh, Instagram, Brit underscore Jag. And my website is www.britjag.co.uk. Really appreciate you having me, guys. It's been great fun um, and really looking forward to the game on Sunday. It's been great to have you on, man. Thank you so much for doing it. It's um, added a, a string to our bow for today and, and getting a bit more understanding of uh, each team, obviously, we don't know each one as well as our own, so it's, it's been great to hear. Uh, our next podcast is uh, going to be dropping on Wednesday, which will be the review pod from this game. Don't forget, there's going to be the Zoom 
on Sunday to watch a game along with us. So that's 5.30pm UK time, 12.30 Eastern time in the US. Uh, Lee, if you want to join us for that as well, I don't know how you watch the games, but we'd be happy to have you if you want to do that too. Uh, otherwise, uh, it remains for me to thank Lee, thank Anthony Fitzpatrick and Aaron Fletcher. I'm Matthew Turner. We will see you on Sunday. Go Lions! One prize. Right.